Hello, it's me, Robert. I just want to say um, uh, a Merry Christmas and uh, a Happy New Year. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you and your family.
Merry Christmas, each and everyone out there listening to this, the second annual Christmas show on the Legends of Sports and Music. This is your host, the OG Rob Silver, and we started the podcast off with my lady imitating me and wishing everyone out there in their families a very Merry Christmas. Um, My last two women I've dated have captured my New York City accent, my crazy ass voice to a T. Uh, my lady Mia really hits it on her. Uh, she got the laugh down too. No one's ever got the laugh down like she does. Beautifully done. And the first song I played, My Gift to You by Alexander O'Neill, was the same song I dedicated to her last year on the first annual Christmas pod. Um, on that pod, and ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy this episode, if you love the voice notes that you're about to hear from fellow listeners, fellow contributors, uh, reminiscing about Christmases of the past and the love they shared with their families, their parents, their children, their significant others, if you enjoy this episode, after this episode is done, go into the archives last december december 18th 2022 episode of the legends of sports and music the first annual christmas show you hear a different set of contributors you only have one repeat contributor on this show and uh, that's my brother donald from brooklyn other than that last year's episode and this year's episode totally different contributors Oh, and you hear my lady, Mia, as well. Last year, I uh, introduced Mia on the show. She had a very small voice note, even shorter than the one I just played. And I it, I had her speak before the song. I dedicated her for her for Christmas. And this will always be her and I's, her and my Christmas song, My Gift to You. The first song I played on a podcast after Mia's voice note, My Gift to You, written by Jamin Lewis and sung flawlessly by Alexander O'Neill is just a perfect Christmas song. And whenever I think of her, and my gift to you, nah, nah, nah. But the thing about it is, in that song, Alex goes, my, my, my. Three years or two years before Johnny goes, my, my, my. <laughs> so Johnny might have, no, I think Johnny stole his my, 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 my from Alexander O'Neill. What's that? You know what? Everything borrowed is new. Everything stolen is new again, whatever. Anyway, uh, shout out to the love of my life for a beautiful uh, rendition of my voice and wishing all of you guys a uh, Merry Christmas. And um, today, like last year's episode, you're not going to hear a lot of me. You, I'll, you'll probably hear me about three, four times, three, four different segments. This is where the listeners shine and they talk about their great memories, whether it's the Father's Day uh, podcast that we had back in June in which people talked about their fathers, their grandfathers, their uncles being fathers whether it was the Mother's Day episode where people talked about their mother or being a mother or their grandmothers or their aunts or their step uh, stepmothers 
or the recent Thanksgiving episode in which people shared wonderful Thanksgiving memories. This show is about family. This show is about love and it's the listeners contributing and showing their love for the legend of sports and music by expressing the love they have for their family. This is a family situation. This is a family podcast. Anybody that listens to me, uh, contacts me on Twitter, DMs me, emails me, sends in a voice note. It's all about La Familia. You are a men- member of the OG Rob Silvers Familia. I just don't have anybody sending voice notes. You know, I don't. Uh, if a stranger sends in a voice note, I uh, immediately contact them and, and I talk to them. You know, I email them. You know, and I'm and I'm like, how did you find out about the show? And um, why you like the show? And then, boom, if I see that they are a genuine good person, I'll put them on. I'll put, the, I'll put the voice note on. This show is not about creepy bastards, all right? This show is not about uh, sick individuals. We don't recognize that here on the Legends of Sports and Music. It's all about love and no better love than doing this time of the year, the holiday season, the Christmas season. And I'm before I begin my uh first memory and this memory harkens back to when i was nine to about yeah 13 14 from 1977 to 1982 there was a christmas tradition that i remembered i had totally forgot about this christmas uh christmas tradition that my father used to have every christmas until I totally forgot about this until one day on Twitter last week. Tim Los Freaklander on Twitter. Tim to the motherfucking uh, Tim to the mother F posted a picture of walnuts and a nutcracker, a whole set that my father used to buy every year from 1977 to 1982 might have been a year more before maybe another year after could have been 76 to 83 but i vividly remember 77 82 also shout out to dr jacques ramsey a great dude a, a loyal nick fan native new yorker um i love when he verifies new york city facts that i post on twitter because he liked him both brothers have been long time, lifelong residents of New York, just like myself. I believe they're both a little younger than me. I think I might be 10 years older than both brothers, but both brothers um, know New York in and out because they are from New York and they will they will be quick to uh, shoot down New York City bullshit, right? They will be quick to shoot it down. and um. Doc, uh, Dr. Dr. Jacques Ramsey, Ramsey, I remember when um, he commented about the first Michael Jackson podcast I did that he listened to, and he loved the memories of 1970s uh, New York City that I broke down about the South Bronx. Um, also, I, one of the first times I interacted with, with, with Dr. Jacques um, was there was a post about CeCe Peniston, and I mentioned... I quote, tweeted the tweet. Somebody tweeted about CeCe Penison's finally. And I wrote, in 1992, finally, 
had New York City, the summer of of 92, had New York City on lock. <laughs> and Dr. Jacques was like, oh, shit, you got a great memory. Oh, well, I'm going to remember that summer because that was the summer my beloved son was born. Um, Shout out to Tim. Uh, Tim's a great father. Tim's always talking about his kids, especially his son, the life lessons that he gives his son. And the other day he gave a life lesson about his to his nephew that he that that he talked that he talked about with his nephew. I love it. I love it. You could tell that both Dr. Jacques and Tim are cool ass brothers who are into community, are into their families, and are about business, about um leading positive lives. And that's what the Legends of Sports and Music is all about. Positivity, love. I only save the negativity for pieces of shit. I got a poem that I that that I'm dedicating to a piece of shit that I wrote several years ago. I'll read that poem later on, probably towards the end of the podcast. But I think you guys will get a kick out of it. Anyway, back to uh the Nutcracker and Walnuts, which Tim posted on on Twitter, and which I uh, responded, and then Dr. Jacques uh, responded in kind. From 1977 to 1982, give or take a year, either way, my father would buy that set. He'd buy the big nutcracker with this uh, bag of walnuts. And it would be like the week before Christmas. And every night leading up until Christmas, he's sitting in the living room with me and my brother, Charlie, and sometimes my siblings are there too. But usually when we're watching sports, at that time I was nine, and my brother Charlie, no, my brother Charlie was four, so he wouldn't have been watching sports at that time. Later on, when, when Charlie was eight, nine, and then ten, yeah, but at the very beginning, it was me and my father in the living room, week before Christmas, we'd be watching all the college football bowl games. Ladies and gentlemen, this was, 1977 was pre-cable. And all the college bowl games were aired live on New York City television through a, uh, I think it was the Mizzou, I think it was the Mizzou syndication network, the Mizzou television network that showed every bowl game that wasn't a New Year's Day bowl game. We're talking about the Blue Bonnet Bowl. I think it was the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl, the Liberty Bowl, those bowls, the second tier bowls. Every night from December 18th until New Year's Eve, there would be bowl games every night on Channel 9 or Channel 11. WOR Channel 9 is now known as WWOR, but back in 1977, the time period I'm talking about, it was just WOR. WOR Channel 9 and WPIX Channel 11 showed bowl games every night there was no espn back then ladies and gentlemen cable was in his infant stages so we got all the bowl games live on television and i'd be sitting there watching the college football bowl games with my father and my father is cracking those nuts and then he's like you want some and i take some and dumb nuts was dry as, as, as a fuck but i loved it because i was sharing quality time with my father. My father would eat these walnuts with coquito. And New York City brothers, you could be black, Dominican, Boricua, Cubano, Mexicano. Everybody knew what the ingredients inside a coquito was. Um, 
I didn't fuck with a Coquito because I was nine years old. I've never fucked with a Coquito because I never had a drink in my life. But my parents would drink that Coquito. My mother didn't like the walnuts. She wasn't fucking with the walnuts. But my father would crack those walnuts and he would down two bottles of Coquito. Greedy bastard, my mother would call him. And then he'd be fucked up watching the football game and screaming at the TV. Ah, that was a... That should have been pass interference. <laughs> that wasn't no fumble. <laughs> I remember the Blue Bonnet Bowl. Was it the Blue Bonnet Bowl? There was a game. The game might have been New Year's Eve. I'm not. Look, I do these shows off the top of my head. But there was a bowl game in which the University of Pittsburgh were playing in. And um, the quarterback, what was his name? he would wind up being with the Patriots. This was before Dan Marino, and this was after Tony Dorsett had graduated and gone to the NFL because that was his rookie year in Dallas. What the hell was the name of the quarterback? Oh, man, I don't I don't know. Uh, later on, I might remember. But anyway, we're watching that game, and my father had an infatuation with Pittsburgh teams because Roberto Clemente was his idol, and Clemente was the greatest player the Pittsburgh Pirates ever had. So because of Clemente, my father would follow the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this was during a time in which the Pittsburgh Steelers were killing it in the NFL. They didn't win the Super Bowl that year, but they would win the Super Bowl the following year with Terry Bradshaw and Mean Joe Green and um, Franco Harris, Lynn Swan, uh John Stallworth, you know, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, Donnie Shell, Mel Blunt, just a, and the, the legendary co- coach, uh, Chuck Knoll. Great team. Um, my father would always have an event. And because of Clemente, my father used to follow the Pirates. Even though he was a Mets fan, He he the Pirates was his second team because of Clemente. And the Pittsburgh Steelers would be my father's team until he passed away in 2000. And uh, he loved the Pitt Panthers, the University of Pittsburgh Panthers football team. He was a huge Tony Dorsett fan when Tony Dorsett played for for, for, uh, Pittsburgh. And he would later be a huge Dan Marino, uh, Hugh Green, and Ricky Jackson fan when they played for those great Pitt teams of the early 80s. So, yeah, I remember watching that bowl game and, Pittsburgh ran up and down the field on their opponents in that bowl game. Christmas Eve, my father was would, would be sober every Christmas Eve because my parents, I think I mentioned this last year on the first annual Christmas pie, but I'm going to repeat it real quick because it's part of the story. The one night that my father would not get fucked up with the Coquito would be Christmas Eve because he would tell us, me, and my three siblings. Um, at this point in time in 1977, I'm nine years old. My sister Christine is six. My brother Charlie is five. And my baby sister Melissa is three. 10 o'clock, 10.30, he's like, turn the fucking TV off. Leave the living room. We only had one TV back then. And in 1977, we lived on 169th Street and Sheridan Avenue. And we shared, the four of us shared one bedroom. There was no two bedrooms. We had a two-bedroom apartment, one bedroom for my parents, one bedroom in which the four of us shared. There was two beds. Me and my brother slept in one bed. My sister slept in the other bed. And he told us it was time to go to sleep. 
because Santa's coming. My parents had this tradition that lasted around the same time that the, uh, what you call it, the, uh, the nutcracker tradition ended. Christmas Eve, we tried to go to sleep, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. We couldn't. We'd be sitting there staring at the ceiling because we couldn't wait to run and get our gifts. Now, I talked about the Christmas of 1977 in the first annual uh, Christmas podcast last year. It almost was a very traumatic Christmas. You guys, if you're really interested in listening, I'm not going to repeat myself. Go back and listen to the pod. But anyway, my parents would wait until after midnight when they felt the kids were asleep. And that's when they would put up the Christmas tree and all the decorations and wrap the presents and put the presents. Oh, I thought they'd wrap the presents. I'll talk about that on a later segment in the podcast. If I don't get it to get to it this year, I'll get to it next year. So when we go to our room around 10, 30, 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve, the living room looks like it normally looks. The the big black and white TV. We had like a 19-inch black. Look, a big black and white. 19, people got 80 to 90-inch TVs today, and I'm talking about a 19-inch black and white TV in the living room. Today, people got 80, 90-inch color flat screens. Anyway, you'd have the black and white TV in the living room, you know, and the 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 the, the, the sofa and the love seat, the, the glass table in the middle. No Christmas decorations, nothing. We go to bed and then we we wake up at seven in the morning. The following morning, the living room is lit up like the North Pole. The Christmas tree is perfect with the star with 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 the with the not the star, David, because we're not Jewish. Whatever whatever the man on top of the tree is, I forgot. I'm fifty five years old, ladies and gentlemen. So you know, I forgot what's the final. Ornament that you put on top of, of the tree, but everything is immaculate. The presents are perfectly gift wrapped. My mother and father were great wrappers of gifts, and there'd be a bunch of gifts under the tree. And for a family that used to always struggle financially back then, my father was a struggling alcoholic who would be in and out of jobs, and in the I talked about this at Christmas of 77. He struggled with working. The Christmas of 70, Christmas of 78, he had a regular job. Christmas of 79, he had a regular job. Christmas of 80, he had a regular job. Christmas of 81, he had been fired. So Christmas of 81, he didn't have a job. Christmas of 82, he didn't have a job. And this was always due to his drinking. My father was a very good juvenile delinquent uh, counselor. He would counsel at-risk kids, kids that were in the juvenile justice system. And my father did this without a high school degree. Why? When my father was locked up in Comstock Correctional Facility from 1969 to 1971, um, he met through a friend of his, he met through a friend of his, Calvin, who became his sponsor when he got out of prison, his uh, alcoholic, alcohol uh, recovery sponsor to Harvey, I mean, to, to uh, Calvin, he met this uh, Jewish New York City government official 
named Harvey, and Harvey would work with all the mayors. At that point in time, I believe Harvey was working for Mayor Lindsay. Harvey would work for Mayor Bean. Harvey would work for Ed Koch before retiring after Koch lost to Dinkins in 1989. Harvey always looked out for my father. Um, Harvey liked my father. And my father met Harvey through Calvin. Calvin was a... Uh, was a... Uh, uh, I served time with my father at Comstock. Then Calvin was sent to Attica. Calvin was in Attica doing the Attica riots. And then when they both came home, they rekindled their friendship that they struck up in prison. And Calvin became my father's sponsor because Calvin was also battling with um, alcohol abuse. And so, um, so we go to a, uh, Through Harvey, my father always, through Harvey, my father was able to get that juvenile delinquent counselor job, despite the fact that he had 11th grade education because Harvey would tell these organizations and he had the pull for it, that my father was perfect to work with these kids because he was from the street like these kids and he talked their language. And my father was phenomenal. My father turned a lot of young people's lives around, even to the point where he got awards from the city, from the mayor's office in 1975 and 1976 before getting uh, laid off right after the Christmas, right after Christmas of 76. So uh, I say that to say that my father had a way with people and he loved his children and he always wanted to make sure that this time of year, Christmas, this time of year that we're talking about was special. And every year until he died. And I'm, I think I'm going to, I'll, I'll talk about the last Christmas that my father and I, uh, that the family spent with my father in a segment, if it's even briefly or maybe a whole segment, we'll see. I do this off the cuff, but my father loved his children. And he would do anything to make them happy, especially in birthdays, graduations, and more importantly, Christmas. As long as we left him alone while he was cracking them walnuts, man. I mean, I ate the walnuts, but I never had a taste for it. Uh, Tim, Dr. Jacques, do you love them walnuts? Listeners out there, do you guys remember the walnuts with the nutcracker. Because it was a big thing in New York City in the 70s and 80s. And shout out to Tim. He said he's going to bring that tradition back. Anyway, to commemorate that memory, those memories of my father cracking the walnuts and drinking the coquito, I'm going to play a classic Christmas song, but not by the man who made the song his. Everybody knows Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire by Nat King Cole, this Christmas song, the Christmas song. I'm going to play Joe's version because Joe does justice to that song. And then after we hear Joe's uh, Christmas song, I will play about four or five uh, voice notes. Followed Each voice note will be followed by a Christmas song or two. And then I'll be back later on in the podcast 
giving you guys another Christmas memory from the Silver family. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows A turkey And some mistletoe Help to make The season bright Tiny tots With their eyes All aglow find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loading lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child gonna spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly and so I'm offering this simple phrase to kiss from one to ninety-two been said many times many ways Merry Christmas to Come on. 
Christmas memory for me, um, I probably was about 12 or 13 years old. And um, around Christmas time, my parents asked me what I wanted for Christmas. And I wanted a Super Nintendo. Um, I knew they were not able to afford it. So I wasn't trying to ask for nothing that was too expensive. But it's the only thing that I wanted. Um they told me they couldn't afford it. They told me I might not get it. You know, they, they made sure they, they put that in my head that they can't afford it and I might not get it. So, um, I think this was probably the first time that I realized that my parents couldn't afford something because any other time that they were not able to afford something, they never told me that, you know? So, um, this is the first time they ever told, they ever told me that they couldn't afford something. So I wasn't really expecting it. Right. Um, Christmas morning came, I seen all these gifts under the tree, um, for my siblings and for myself and stuff like that. And, um, I opened everything that I had under the tree with some small boxes. And then I came to this big box, not a big box, but like a medium sized box that a super Nintendo would come in and, um, I opened it up and it was under the tree and it was a good memory for me because, um, I knew they worked hard for it because they couldn't afford that shit. And um, it was something that I knew, I knew that they worked hard for. So that's probably one of my fondest memories because I don't really care for Christmas like that. But that was probably one of my most, my fondest memories of Christmas.
One of my Christmas memories, I was two years old, and I'll never forget, I woke up with a whole bunch of gifts under the tree, and I remember that so well, because my mom was a single mom, she struggled, could barely make ends do, but to get up in the morning and see all these toys under the tree, she made a miracle happen. So that's one of my favorite memories of Christmas. I even actually have Christmas pictures too. So just wanted to share that. Hello? Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Um, I'm good, I'm good. What's been going on? Oh, not much. I'm just getting ready for the holidays. That's about it. How about you? You good? Um, yeah, same thing. Just uh, getting ready and stuff. Um, you um, you still with that guy? What's his name? Steve-O? <laughs> <laughs> Steven, yes. We're still together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, how about you and your friend? What's, what's her name? Um, uh, you, you know her name. Shaquanda. Yes, Shaquanda. Yeah. Yes. Now, we're, we're good. We're, same thing. Getting ready for the holidays and, you know. I was, you know, holidays and all, I've been, you know, I was kind of thinking about you, so I wanted to call and say, hey, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you called. Yeah, I'm glad I called too. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be Make the youth 
Today's almost over. 
This is Timogen Scott. Just want to say yet again, thank you, Mr. Silva, for asking me to be the part of the Legends of Sports and Music podcast. So, my favorite Christmas memory. Brooklyn in the 80s and the 90s, but in the 80s. So, it would be a tradition for my parents to put on the South Soul Christmas vinyl and um, turn it up at disrespectful volumes. At the same time, my mom would be in there, you know, just preparing some food for Christmas. And I remember as a kid, just wanting to hurry up and go to bed early so that I could wake up and uh, open my gifts. And, uh, you know, I used to always question how Santa you know, would get through the door in Brooklyn, New York, but it is what it is. (laughs) But I distinctly remember South Soul Christmas playing every year. And then sometimes, you know, my grandparents would come to visit from Connecticut. And uh, it was just a simple but yet memorable memory. Yeah. Yeah.
Okay, one of my frequent contributors to the podcast, uh, a very wonderful and spirited and bubbly young lady named Briny, wasn't able to send in a voice note because she was at the hairdresser and it was real noisy, but she did send me a written testimony, a written um, Christmas memory. And so I'm going to read this real quick. And this is from our buddy, Briny. And Briny wrote, The last Christmas I spent with my grandmother, a few weeks before we were in Costco, and it was this really fancy Apple speaker she saw, and she was like, isn't that nice? And I said, yeah, I really need something like that. And she laughed. And now fast forward to Christmas morning. And I come downstairs around 10 a.m. And she's cooking a big breakfast. And she says, Merry Christmas. And hands me my gifts. I got a bunch of clothes, cash, and a gift card. A s'mores kit. And lo and behold, that speaker we saw in Costco. It was a damn good speaker, too. I used it a lot while making my beats. It finally died on me two years ago. One thing I love about Briny, one thing I love about you, Briny, is you always honor your grandmother. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Briny had a very beautiful and heartfelt voice note on my Mother's Day podcast. She wrote about her, that she spoke on her grandmother. And how her grandmother always defended her against her mother, against other people in their family. Um, Briny, I think Briny was 17, 18 years old when her grandmother passed away. And I could tell from when Briny talks about her grandmother that she misses her grandmother dearly. But you know what, Briny? The spirit of your grandmother is in you. And I'm glad that you and your father are doing well considering the hell he's been through throughout his life Bryony, you're gonna be all right you got a great head on your shoulders you're a very intelligent young woman and you don't take shit from nobody <laughs> i love that all right ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna play for Bryony the same song i played for her on thanksgiving one of her and her grandmother's favorite songs one of the greatest uh christmas songs of all time Brenda's Lee rocking around the Christmas tree. And then we're going to hear some more voice notes, and I'll be back with a personal story of my own. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. Mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. Rocking around the Christmas tree, let the Christmas spirit ring. Later we'll have some pumpkin pie and we'll do some caroling. You will get a sentimental feeling when you hear voices singing, let's be jolly, deck the halls with bottles of holly. Christmas tree, have a happy holiday. Everyone dancing merrily in the new old-fashioned way. 
to one of my favorite Christmas memories, one I can remember, I have a couple I can remember, but the one I'm going to speak on is when I was, actually about 30 years ago, I was nine. My mom is from Charleston, South Carolina, and my dad is from uh, Jacksonville, Florida. I resided in both, uh, both states, but I lived most of my life in Jacksonville, but every summer, in every um, holiday season, I used to go to Charleston, my grandmother and grandfather both not here now but you know this is one of the, the times where I've just started you know every every summer every Christmas you know, I know how I was going at for Christmas or whatnot so I just remember you know um, Charleston gets pretty cold a lot of people don't really think that about the South per se but around like Jacksonville and uh, Georgia Alabama uh, South Carolina that whole little square corridor gets pretty cold but you know, just very excited about the year because I wanted a Sega Genesis. The Sega Genesis just came out, and uh, I wanted it. You know how that is when you're a young kid, certain things you want for Christmas or whatnot. I was I was on my list, you know, just hoping and wishing <laughs> to get it for you or whatnot. And, and I wanted a starter jacket. So if anybody younger <clears throat> on this, uh, just giving a voice note, that remember does remember starter jacket was like the number one commodity period in the 90s status symbol whatever it looked cool and I wanted one uh, I'm a Cowboys fan but I mean I just wanted one period it could have been Orlando magic one it could have been you know any other I just wanted a starter jacket <clears throat> excuse me so um yeah I just remember waking up that morning and you know it's, it's, it's an anticipation about it you know what I mean? And I believe I won the first thing. The first thing I opened, I believe, was the Sega Genesis. And it was a Sonic one. You know, my parents, you know, they're looking around. You know, everybody's all happy. You know, I was I was genuinely happy, you know. And then I got a starter jacket. Co- 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 uh, coincidentally, it was a, a Oakland Raiders starter jacket. And uh, I didn't care. It looked cool, silver and black, one of the best colors in in football one of the best jerseys in football and i was just genuinely happy but i mean besides the material thing i just like being around my family you know and now i'm older with kids and i don't know just i don't know since the pandemic i just i just feel like christmas doesn't feel the same you know I, it could be a a multitude of factors around that but around that time when I was a kid, it just it just felt genuine, just being around family, laughing, and I always enjoyed Christmas because you know you had those two weeks off from school. You know that's the time you can get together with your family that you don't see very often or whatnot, and 
talk about what you want to do for the upcoming year, you know, how school going, you know, it's just, I don't know, I still get kind of emotional about it because I don't have my mother or my grandmother or my grandfather on my mom's side, you know what I'm saying, and I don't know, I just, I just felt, it was a sense of joy, you know, money came by, man, just something about family dynamic is, is always just, it, it makes the heart warm. And those memories always come around this, this time of year. Though I try to, you know, stay busy or do things with my family, I always get that that moment of that. And that was 30 years ago. And those things are still paramount in my life. And I don't know, man. It's just, but that was a very great memory. You know, I, I miss all three of the, I miss all three of them dearly each day. So, but you know, we just want to concentrate on on the good, happy things. But I was. One of my favorite Christmases, Christmas of 93, you know, Cowboys were winning, the Bulls were winning, one of my favorite teams, you know, the, you know, the football football games on, uh, basketball games on, it was a wonderful feeling, I love it, I love that, one of my favorite years ever, one of my favorite Christmases, and um, yeah, I just, I always enjoy, always enjoy that Christmas, so. I'm going to end it on that note. I just hope everybody in the voice note, you know, with their family or friends or whatnot, however you spend your Christmas, hope y'all enjoy the holidays and, and the new year to come upon us. And again, Robert, thank you for uh, letting us, you know, share our memories, you know, have a space for us to even get intimate and talk about these type of uh, events that happened back in the day, you know, that make us feel good. And uh, you guys be blessed. And, Take it easy. I don't want a lot for Christmas.
your name's written at the top How I want to feel you come closer, girl, don't stop Your gift. I'm crossing off your Christmas list. Open up, take it out. Anywhere you want, I'll take you down. Know you wanna be classy. But girl, it's me, we ain't gotta wait around. Let me stand by you, the thick and thin. Only thing I wanna see is you to win. I know you know. There's no place like Dinner's on the table, I'm so thankful I was made for you yeah. Couldn't let me on red, but you liked it Ooh, she likes it Baby, just open up, take it out Anywhere you want, I'll take it down Know you wanna be classy But girl, it's me, we ain't gotta wait around let me stand by you, the thick and thin Only thing I wanna see is you to win Christmas memory to to submit because so many of my great memories during um, this time of the year revolve around my mom and my grandparents uh, and hanging with the rest of my family. So after my mom passed, uh, she actually passed a few weeks before Christmas, um, I still have my grandparents and it felt like, okay, at least I had, I still have a piece of her here with me. But after my grandparents passed, about two years after she did, I really felt lost. Like, whose house am I going to go to? Where, you know, where am I going to go? Will I be accepted? Um, will I be a Debbie Downer? 
Um, so it was, it was kind of rough, especially um, during the height of the pandemic. So luckily, one of my lifelong friends invited my daughter and I over for Christmas. Um, so at first, I was kind of reluctant to go because I was like, you know, there'll never be a Christmas that will match, you know, when my mom and my grandparents were here. But we actually had a great time. Um, my friends' in-laws, they kind of reminded me of younger versions of my grandparents. And, you know, they just joked and laughed and, uh, you know, served us great food. And it was it was a really, really great time. Um, and I got a chance to talk with my friend's um my friend's uncle, who I even was able to help him with his genealogy, like find some of his lost family members on Ancestry.com. And uh, my daughter, she got a chance to play with one of her friends. So those of you that are struggling um, with grief this holiday season or any, any day, I'm right there with you. You know, we can sit in the grief together. Uh, but I would say to take baby steps and, you know, if you're struggling, you know, to try to figure out where to go or like who to connect with, go where, where you feel safe and welcome. Happy holidays to you.
Okay, now I have a special Christmas memory here, and this is from my longest and dearest friend. Um, we didn't speak. We had lost contact for 23 years, and then her and I uh, crossed paths again in 2003, 2004 maybe, 2004. So we didn't, we had lost, uh, we hadn't touched base with each other in 24 years and i'm talking about my very first childhood crush when i was in the sixth grade my buddy tq and shout out to tq she's a loyal listener so uh tq like i promise you this will be a very classy classy segment um sit back don't blush too hard But most of the stuff I told you years years ago, 20 years ago, when we reconnected. So I'll mention it now for the general public. It was early December 1979. I was in the sixth grade at PS 152 in the Bronx. And we had, I guess, the annual Christmas pageant, the annual Christmas play in which... Uh, I played one of the shepherds in the play, I believe. Um, I don't even remember if I had any speaking lines, but um, they made a big deal about it. Matter of fact, we even had a nighttime play for the parents to come see the show. And we never did that in uh, grade school. This 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 uh play would be held on the last week of school before Christmas break in 1979, December of 1979. So this would have been, I'm not sure of the date. It had to have been December 20th, December 21st. So throughout the first couple of weeks of December, we had rehearsals every day during school and after school. So the very first day I arrived for rehearsal because my teacher, my teacher, and God for, uh, God forgive me, and God forgive me for forgetting both my teacher's name and TQ's teacher's name, but we both had black female teachers. Um, TQ's out there listening, screaming her name, screaming her teacher's name. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry, early signs of dementia. Both TQ and I are both 55, but you know what? 
she forgot something that I remembered about this story. So, you know, we both are at fault when it comes to our memories. Anyway, so uh, my my teacher, a very wonderful uh, black, uh, no, no, I remember my teacher's name. My teacher's name was Miss Dixon. Oh, thank you, God. So Miss Dixon, who always told me that I was very brilliant, very bright, and called me the smartest person in her class. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll get to how uh, I won an award as, I guess they didn't call it a valedictorian, but at the end of the year at graduation in June of 1980, I was uh, awarded to, to be the master of ceremony, which was given to the top male student as that was our graduating sixth grade was us graduating from grade school to go to junior high school so in the sixth grade i was uh awarded the master ceremony and there was this very attractive puerto rican uh girl that was the and i hate i hate this term but she was called the mistress of ceremony and um what we did was we were the addressers during graduation of the students that graduated, we'd get to the mic and we'd uh, announce the speakers and we'd uh, announce who won what award, best math, best best, uh, best English student and so forth. So that was a, that was a treat. And if, um, I know I've got pictures of me with a microphone somewhere in, in my mother's scrapbooks I have to look for it. Maybe I'll post it on Twitter one day. Anyway, <laughs> that's the end of the sixth grade. This was the middle of the sixth grade, right before uh, Christmas break, winter break, where we'd be off for a, a week and a half before coming back to school the day after New Year's. We had the first day of Christmas rehearsals. I walk in. And we're sitting in the, in the school auditorium and out comes this caramel complected 11 year old, just like myself. I'm 11, she's 11. And I'm a, I'm a little mother, I'm a little mother at the time. I'm, I couldn't have been no more than four foot nine, maybe. Um, TQ was about, I guess five, feet five one at the time and so she towered over me but god lord she had the most beautiful caramel complexion she smiled and she had her hair was in a ponytail that day and it was dark brown blackish and i loved the way that she wore her hair and i was like i was fixated i was sitting there and i was like Hamana, hamana, hamana. Who, who's that? Now, you guys from that have been listening to the podcast loyally, loyally, know that the very first pers- uh, person on TV that set the tone for what I would like in a woman was Shaka Khan. Well, TQ had similar caramel complexion, um, just Here was my theory that I've always said all these years that Shaka Khan 
set the tone for what I would find attractive the rest of my life in women. TQ was the first, the first uh, example, the first living proof that Shaka's uh, exotic beauty stayed above me like a cloud to this day, and it's still to this day is true when it comes to women I've dated over the years. So, you know, I, it, I, I couldn't wait to go to rehearsal. I couldn't wait to go to rehearsal doing the when we have, we because we, that would, would the uh, teachers, both Ms. Dix, my teacher, Ms. Dixon, and TQ's teacher would set midway through the, through, through, through the uh, school day, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes allotted for us to uh, rehearse for the school play. And I think there was a few times after school as well, because uh, that year was one of the last years I've, I recall having an after school program in any public school in the Bronx. This was um, the school I went to was located in the I would say it would be a, a Soundview section of the Bronx, but where I was, I, I lived on Elder and Westchester. And so I walked to school. It was a, it wasn't that long of a walk, maybe five blocks. Um, I got a funny story that I'm going to talk about when it, when it, when it comes to, to TQ. And then I learned recently that I made that trip for no reason anyway. So man, I couldn't wait to go to rehearsal. I'd come to school in the morning and my mind was fixated on, I gotta see, I gotta see TQ, gotta talk to TQ and I would do, and y'all guys think I'm hyper today. Y'all guys think that the OG Rob Silver that you hear on this podcast is hyper. I am calm as a cucumber compared to how I was when I was 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. Back then, I bounced off the wall. I think I had ADHD because I was always cracking jokes. I was always doing something to have my classmates, uh, kids in my school laugh. And, you know, I, 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 would, I, would, I would make TQ laugh. And, and, and I guess she found it cute, but I was so shy that I didn't know how to address that I had a crush on her. I mean, and every time I try to talk, I'd, I'd start stammering. And so I'd leave that alone and just make a joke or something. Um, she sang Old Christmas Tree, and um, she thought she sang Santa Lucia, but I swore to God it was Old Christmas Tree. And I think we came to the conclusion recently that she did sing Old Christmas Tree. Because I remember, oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. But I used to butcher the words. I'm staring at her while she's singing. And I'm thinking she's singing, enduring fall and winter. No, that's not, those are, that's not the words. But all back then, that's what I thought the words were. And... I might have had a line or two. I played one of the uh, shepherds in the play. You know, it's a Christmas play about the birth of Jesus Christ and uh, the three kings and the whole nine. And we're going to have the play. 
I believe it was the last Friday before Christmas break, Friday night. My parents didn't want to go, but I wanted my father to go because my father had a charm that I saw no other man have. And I knew that if I introduced TQ to my father, maybe that would help TQ like me like I liked her because she would see how smooth my father was and how funny my father was. And my father would have probably noticed that I liked this girl. And my father would, you know, put pull the put pull the charm out. Years later, when I started getting involved with women, my father was a master charmer with every woman I dated from when I was 19 until the day he died when I was 32. Every time I'd bring a woman over to his apartment, to my parents' apartment, or my parents would be around them with my boy and me. My father would be like, oh, yes, oh, yes. He would, he would charm the pants off the women I, would, I was dating. My father had a way with women, and they would melt in his hands. And he would say, hey, hey, beautiful. You, you know, if I wasn't married, you know, I'd take you for my son. <laughs> he would say, but he would say it so, so smoothly. And my father was such a charming, charming. He was so charming. Um. Even when he was drunk, he'd be charming, all right? But especially when he was sober, he was very charming. And I wanted that charm because even though I had never seen him in action with me when it came to a girl, because this is the first girl, TQ was the first girl that was Google Gaga, I've seen him talk to the women in the neighborhood and my sister's friends. And, I mean, they women women were attracted to my father women um were, were, were putty in my father's feet my father used to laugh there will be times where my father would take me and my siblings or just me and my brother to a mcdonald's or burger king and he would and he would just he would fuck with us by going up to the prettiest girl in the store and say, oh, you know, you have the prettiest smile. And now my father's saying this out of blue. This girl don't know my father. And and the, the, it'd be a very pretty 19, 20, 21-year-old girl, and they smile. And then and, and then my father's like, you have a nice day. You know, your, your smile reminds me of my wife's smile. And he'd come back to the table, and, and my father would tell me and my brother, see, that's how you do it, fellas. That's how you do it. <laughs> So I was excited. My father was going to go to the play and my father was going to meet TQ and my father, I was hoping could rap to TQ on my behalf, you know, try to break the ice, maybe invite TQ over to the apartment for a, a po around Christmas time. Christmas was coming. I don't know. I don't know. Now I was scared to death to tell my father this, but I was hoping that my father would figure things out and do what he can do. Do what what Rob Roberto Silva Sr. can do. Work that charm. So we're sitting there and I'm in the I'm in the um 
I'm in the, how do you, I guess you call it backstage. I don't know you call it backstage. It's it's an auditorium in, in, in the school. So I don't know. We're in the back, behind the curtain. So um, while we're getting dressed in our costumes, I'm looking for TQ. I don't see TQ. So I ask our classmates, where's TQ? And they're like, oh, oh, Robert, uh, she can't come tonight. She has no one to bring her. I'm like, she's got parents, right? Um, that All I know is she told us she can't come. And man, my heart dropped. My heart dropped. My heart dropped. I was like, oh my God. TQ's not coming. And so my balloon had deflated. I, I would, whatever joy I had that night, I phoned in that that uh that performance. And so my father never got to meet this girl. Thank God I never mentioned TQ's name to my father. And I just sat there and after the, the after the play was over, my father's like, oh, you you weren't yourself. Rob, what what happened? And I was like, ah, uh, you know, we had all these rehearsals all week and you know, I had a small part pop. I you know, it was He's like, oh, but you were nervous. I said, I was. My father's like, yeah, because you kept your hand on your heart. He thought that was nervousness. No, I had my hand on my heart because my heart was deflated because TQ didn't show up. (laughs) So uh, my father never got to meet TQ and work his charm like I thought he could. And Christmas break came, and then over the next from January to June, every time I see TQ in the hallway, because we were in the same class, we were two different class, but I think our class room were on, was on the same floor. So I always see her, you know, going to class and coming off of class. Cause in the sixth grade, we were in the same, whatever classroom you were in, in the sixth grade in grade school, you stayed in that same class the entire time, um, the entire time. Your, your teacher, my, my teacher, Ms. Dixon, would teach us English, math, social studies, etc. Only time we'd have a different, no, we did have one different class, gym. That was it. It was gym was the only time we had a different, cla- different class. Um, I would always try and um, uh, make her laugh. She had these classmates that were twins. Yvonne and Yvette, they were spitting twins. And they would always be laughing and they always be uh, trying to talk to me because they thought I was cute, but I wasn't interested in Yvonne and Yvette. I I wanted TQ. <laughs> in May, was it May or April? Was it April or May? Um, TQ's class went to dc for a weekend a weekend trip yeah it was may it was may because it was right before my um it was right before my 12th birthday and it was right before the lakers beat me and my father 76ers to win magic johnson's first nba championship in his rookie year it was the week after that that happened so it was the friday after I came back, I came back from D, 
uh, from D.C. Sunday night. And that entire trip in D.C., we was there four or five days. I think from like Wednesday to Sunday night. Um, We'd all be in the same room and I'd just be staring at TQ. She just she just had this glow about her. She was just so beautiful, but I didn't know what to say. So I struck out at the D.C. trip. And then there was one opportunity, and I really embarrassed myself. A couple of weeks after we came back from D.C., Friday afternoon, we had a... Uh, I forgot the name. We there was a there was a roller disco a few blocks away from where I lived and not too far from the school on Westchester Avenue. So I had never put on a pair of skates before in my life. That day, put the skates on and I'm up against the wall. And then I see TQ gliding like she's damn Dorothy Hamill. I mean, just skating, TQ skating, she's skating with that beautiful caramel complexion and a smile and her hair so perfectly placed. And she's just flowing with this with the skates. TQ uh TQ uh skates by me, sees me, and grabs my hand and says, Come on, Rob, skate with me. And I kept falling down. She picked me up. I kept falling down. And after about 90 seconds of me unable to skate and stay with her while she held my hand, she let go of my hand and she went and skated with her with someone else. Man, talk about heartbreaking. Oh, my heart was shattered. Oh, God. And, uh, man, um, even after school, be, be, before before the D.C. trip, when school was over, I'd, I'd run out to see if I could talk to TQ, but she was always there with her brother. Her brother was in our class, too. Her brother graduated with us in the, in the sixth grade. Her brother was always around. Her brother was mad cool and funny, and him and I would always joke around in the cafeteria in the whole nine, um, but I wanted to talk to his sister alone. But her brother was always around after school. And I look, brother, she had her own unofficial bodyguard. I guess official bodyguard. So I'm I'm not even and her brother. I'm four nine. TQ's five feet five one. Her brother was about five four, five five, and still growing. So um, TQ's brother was was always there after school. And I saw that they didn't walk home, that they would take a bus, that they would take a bus. And so during this time, I was an attendance monitor where I would, where I was given the role of an attendance monitor where in the morning I would go to each classroom and pick up the attendance books from the attendance, there was an attendance sheet or a roll call, whatever, attendance rolls from each class. And each class would have the child's name, the student's name, and their address. And I saw TQ's address, so I wrote it down one day. Now, this, this is 
Spring of 1980. This was March or April of 1980. I don't know anything. There's no Google, right? I don't know anything about the neighborhood other than I lived on Elder Westchester and my school was uh, five blocks apart near the Bruckner Boulevard, right? I didn't know uh, streets really. I I forgot the name of the street that my elementary school was on. So all I know is I got this address and I see TQ and her brother get on that bus every day. So on a Sunday afternoon, I tell my parents I'm going to go downstairs and play. But I venture off to where they took the bus at, which was a few blocks away. There was a walk walkthrough bridge between my school and another school that had grades. See, um, where I attended school, PS152, it was only grades four through six. There was a sister school that had grades one to three, and that's where they took the bus. So I walked over there. At that point in time, the bus, I believe, was 50 cents or 75 cents. I forgot. I think it was 75 cents. So I threw, I threw, I threw three quarters in the thing, and I sat there, and the bus was going, and I've got the address in front of me, and I don't see that address anywhere don't see it i don't see it and then i see unfamiliar territory so i ring the bell and i get off the bus and now i'm lost i don't know what the fuck to do i'm lost and i damn near start crying i'm walking back to where the bus took me from walking in the direction i came from and then out of nowhere a bus stops the bus driver opens the door. I don't know this guy from Adam. And he goes, young man, come on in. Come on in. I was like, I don't have any money. He was like, don't worry about it. Come on in, have a seat. I'm going to take you back. And he rides, you know, and then finally I see I'm back in my neighborhood and I get off the bus. And I always said that that was God intervening on my behalf. I was lost. I'm an 11-year-old, soon-to-be 12-year-old boy, and I don't know where I'm at. And I'm beginning to cry, and maybe in some way or form, God alerted this bus driver to come get me, scoop me up. Because the bus driver opened up the gate and just told me to get in, and he said it all calmly and cool, like this was supposed to happen. Well... A few months ago, I was talking to TQ on the phone because from time to time, she checks up on me. That's what I love about her. Through the years, since we reconnected 20 years ago, if I, I've i gone two years without talking, talking to her, she'll text me or she'll call me. She'll call me, and she'll call me out of the sky blue. She'll tell me what's going on with her husband, what's going on with, 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 with her kids. She's got, she's got kids in, in, in college, and TQ would call me, and TQ would be like, how you doing? How's, how's your mother doing? I told you, uh, I told her when Peter died, I told her when my um, mom almost died a year ago, and I've got another update on my mom that I will close the show out, you know, something that happened recently with my mother that I haven't been speaking about. But anyway, TQ would always check up on me, and then TQ was talking about 
listening to one of the Michael Jackson podcasts where I talked about growing up on Elder Westchester going to school over there. And she said, you know, Robert, I only lived a block away from you. I think she lived on Wheeler Avenue. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, I'm like, what? Here I got on a bus looking for the address, but she, but she wasn't living there anymore. She had moved. That address that was on her uh, attendance sheet in the records wasn't she? She had lived there in a couple of years. Her and her mother had moved to Harlem. So I got on that bus. They took that bus to take another bus to take them into Manhattan. I didn't know that. I, did, I thought it was a straight bus to to the address that I had in there. And she explained to me that, uh, matter of fact, I had known years ago when, when we were connected that she had told me that she had uh, moved to Harlem. Her mother had moved her to Harlem, her and her brothers to Harlem. So uh, uh, that trip was for naught. But that she had lived there prior to moving she had lived a block away and i was like man man so we reconnected in 2004 i i found her on classmates classmates.com was a was a, a website that helped people reconnect with uh friends they had in grade school junior high and high school and i believe college too if i'm not mistaken so it had been 24 years since I had even talked to her. And look, with your first crush, ladies and gentlemen, anybody out there knows that your first crush is one of those special people in your lives that you want to know how they turned out and so forth. So when I saw TQ's name as one of the few students that signed up on classbase.com, I sent her up. I guess... It was a DM back then, but they didn't call it a DM. It was just a message. Oh, I don't know. She messaged me back. And then we called. I'm not sure if she gave me her phone number or if I gave her my phone number, but we we talked to each other on the phone. And that first time we talked for like three, four hours. And this was long distance because she was living in Jersey. But no, I was talking on my, uh, on my cell phone at the time. But back in 2004, a three, four hour phone call was costly on your I, I was talking on my cell phone to her uh house phone and she told me how she met her she years later she had met her i think she met her husband in college and she had these at the time i believe she has two kids i think she has three now two of them are in college um and we talked about what happened with our lives afterwards and when and she wasn't sure what I looked like, so I mailed her a picture. And then TQ calls me after she gets the picture. I remember you. You was that little boy that used to run around. I was like, you were always you was you was always into something. You was <laughs> you was always busy. Something something like that. And so we 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 had we had a great we talked. So and from that point on, we had a very amicable and beautiful friendship. It's been one of the few. She's one of the few genuine friends I have in life that I know outside of social media, that I know outside of work, that I know outside my family. Um, and then um, 
I told her, you know, many of the stories I have told on this podcast, I had told her. And she was like, Robert, back then, if we had gotten together, I think all you had to do was look at me and I would have gotten pregnant. (laughs) So, uh, this segment is dedicated to my first crush, TQ. And to cap off this segment, I am going to play the greatest version of this Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Not sung by Miss TQ, but sung by someone that I guess you could say is a better singer than TQ. And that is (laughs) the queen of soul. Miss Aretha Franklin. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back later on with another story.
on Comet, on Cupid, on Dandan Blitzen. When I think about Christmas, I always think about, you know, family, fun, and of course, food. Food goes with every holiday, as you, as we all know. Um, growing up as a kid, you know, it was cool, you know. You might wake up at 1 or 2 in the morning trying to sneak down, trying to get a peek at uh, what you may have gotten in the morning. But uh, that morning was uh, was crazy. As I... Like recently, like now, as a father, you know, that's one of the joys that you always look forward to, you know, being able to provide for your kids and, uh, you know, go out and get them what they may want, you know. Or you might be up all night, especially as as the dad, you got to, you know, put stuff together like the bicycle or, you know, different type of things, even though more nowadays, these days, it's all about the electronics. So you might only have to grab a... Uh, to grab, you know, AirPods or something like that. And if you're real lazy, you just get a gift card. <laughs> but, um, you know, growing up, though, you know, it was all about family and, you know, uh, you know, sitting around enjoying and playing uh, music and also, you know, really just, uh, you know, doing the whole karaoke thing. So I don't know if you uh, asked, you know, could we uh, suggest songs or whatever, but one of our karaoke favorites was uh, Any Heartbreak by New Edition, man. Uh, me and my cousin, we really had those dance moves down. We were real serious about it. We would, you know, study the video, learn all the dance moves. Hey, we might even take 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 a uh, page out of their book and grab two mixed match shoes like they used to do. Like I think in that video, they had a gold one and a black one. She's got it going on, going on, going on. That was our joint, though. We always would entertain the family with those type of karaoke type style things, especially with that song, man. So uh just want to say Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Peace and love and stay safe in the new year. Thank you.
Jim, hit the ALPS button now!
Peace, peace, brother Rob. Man, Christmas. Man, too many memories to even kind of try to comb through, man. Um, I'll say just, you know, from the jump, the main thing about Christmas is being, being with the family, man. Um, you know, as a kid, staying up all night, you know, with my cousin, my brother, staying up all night to open a present in the morning, you know, my mom spending money on us, you know, my auntie being there with us, spending time with my dad on Christmas Day. Man, the main thing for me as a uh, as a 90s kid that I used to look forward to, you know, when I was real heavy into watching basketball back in the day would always be the Christmas Day NBA game, man. Back in the day, it used to be either a rematch from the NBA Finals or it would be like, you know, a big time matchup, man. I remember watching the Kings and the Lakers playing on Christmas Day. I remember watching uh, Philly, the Sixers play the Lakers on Christmas Day. You know, just all good times, man. Um, and now carrying on and being an adult, you know, with me and my wife, you know, with us having a uh, having a baby on the way, I'm looking forward to kind of making them same kind of memories with, with my wife and my soon-to-be child on the way. Um, overall, man, you know, Christmas is just that time where you get together with your family and really appreciate being around each other, man, you know. There's a lot of um, a lot of memories that I have calling my grandma, being there with my grandma, being there with my dad, you know. Those are memories that matter, and you can't take that for granted, man, especially during these times, man. But, uh, yeah, my bad on sending it in late. Stay blessed, Brother Rob, and Merry Christmas to everybody. Peace, peace.
This Tooth the Barber from Philly. Thinking about Christmas growing up. Uh, we didn't have much, but we made the most of it. My mom and dad made the most of it. Um, I can vaguely remember uh, Christmas Christmases being big when I was little with my mom and dad. But uh, once they separated, I remember my mom <clears throat> making Christmas uh, very special. And my dad, he would bring stuff over in the morning. Uh, me and my brother would get up early, eat breakfast, open gifts, and play with it all day. And just watch my mom enjoy us. You know what I mean? Playing around with toys. And then later that day, having Christmas dinner either at my house or my grandma's house or our aunt's house and celebrating it with family and friends and 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 uh just enjoying the time exchanging gifts with them it just make this time of the year really special and me as an adult christmas is very special for me and my immediate family because i just carried the tradition that my mom and dad uh did for me and my brother um i make sure everybody have something we have dinner um we have family over close friends and we exchange gifts 
Well, we give them gifts. Me and my wife and my daughter, we give everybody who comes through the door gifts. Um, just letting you know, enjoy the pot. Um, keep do- keep up the good work. And I hope you have a very special Christmas. You know what I mean? And keep doing your thing, Rob. I appreciate you for always involving me in the pot and keeping me abreast to everything that's going on. One love, man. Again, it's Toot the Bar from Philly. Have a blessed one.
Good morning, everyone. Happy holidays. This is Donald Peoples. I am here to give you a Christmas memory. I've had so many Christmas memories, but the one that I've been thinking about for the last couple of days goes back to December 2001. I had lost my job at Queens Library due to a stupid email mistake that I did. I was very green, and that situation could have turned really, really left, but God came in, showed up, and showed out. So my I had gotten depressed, I had gotten frustrated, and I wanted to kill myself. I'm being very honest about that because I was going to school for my master's at that time at City College, but I felt that working and producing um, were two of my best attributes. Um, so I really felt lousy. I just was not used to staying home. I always had a work ethic and I wanted to always work and to get money and keep money. So my aunt, Gail Slaughter, God bless her soul, told me about Walmart opening up in the East Meadow section of Long Island. So I decided to apply. I got the job and I had to take a drug test um, in order to keep the job. Um, I really didn't care for my position as an overnight stock person. I really did not want to get too close with my coworkers, and I really just did not want to get involved in the politics. I just wanted to go there, get my money, and come home. And I was calling myself writing a novel at the time to clear my head of things. But the miracle of that was I was able to um, make my money, get my dollars, and get Christmas gifts for my family. My grandmother, Sally Peoples, God bless her soul, wanted the gizmo. The gizmo was an electronic can opener. So I was able to get gifts for my close family members at that time. So I would say that um, that situation right there went from a negative to a positive, you know, because I, I could have stayed home and became bitter, but I decided to get up and not feel sorry for myself and go out there and do what I had to do. That's the type of person that I always have been, just getting up into doing what I got to do. Um, so I would say that that was my great Christmas memory at that time, being able to provide presents for my family um, within a budget. Yeah, because, you know, Walmart, Walmart is not, Walmart is affordable. So I was able to take advantage of that. So, um, so I would say that that was one of my, great Christmas memories. I didn't care for the job. You know, you working with people you I didn't really have anything in common with. And just working under racist bosses, managers, who really just did not think you were capable of humanity. But that's a whole nother um, discussion. But I did what I had to do. I had to stock up in the several departments and it was just you know i really just did not care for it again but i just really said okay it's just something for the, for the season and um i got let go on february 20th of 2002 my grandfather's birth grandfather eugene people's birthday so that was a blessing in the skies anyway um but the fact that i was able to work um during the christmas season and get my family their gifts was the most is the most important moral of this story so my Christmas memory song will be Do You Hear What I Hear by Denise Williams. I want to thank Robert, my brother, for giving me this opportunity, for thinking of me um, to, to, um, to 
provide my memories and stuff like that. I appreciate you. And I just want to, and I want to thank everyone um, for listening. And I want to, I pray that we all have a great Christmas season this year. Okay. So this has been Donald Peoples and happy holidays. Have a great day.
Ladies and gentlemen, a few months ago, not I think six, might have not been that long ago, six to eight weeks ago, my cousin, and she's my oldest cousin, my mother's sister, Elia's daughter, she's a day older than me. She was born May 6th, 1968. I was born May 7th, 1968. My cousin Stephanie died suddenly of a stroke. As bad, I remember my mother used to tell tell me, as bad as we had it, it doesn't it didn't compare to what her sister Elia and her family was going through. Elia was also like my father, a heroin addict. Elia battled drug addiction for most of her adulthood. And Elia was a beautiful, uh, thick, Puerto Rican woman. Um, she, uh, she used to, she used to dye hair blonde, (laughs) but I mean, I, she was out of all the women in my mother's family, her sisters, the women on, on my mother's side, my mother was the prettiest. Elia was the sexiest because she had what the dudes in the neighborhood would call the fattest ass and the nicest titties and the thick legs, the whole nine. And Elia, unfortunately, began using heroin. Now, Elia was uh, pregnant. No one knew she was pregnant. In 19... 68, my mother was already married to my father and she was pregnant with me. And Elia, who's a year younger than my mother, I believe, or two years younger than my mother, um, they're born, they're both Sagittarius, they're both born December. My mother was born December of 47. I think Elia was December of 49. Elia died at the age of 38. She hadn't turned 39 yet. She died of a heroin overdose in 1988 um and by that time Elia who used to be real nicely built had lost all her figure she was skin and bones due to the heroin anyway back to uh back to uh when she had Stephanie she hid her pregnancy from her mother because she was afraid her mother, my mother's mother, my grandmother was going to throw her out the apartment. At that point in time, Elia was 18 years old because my mother was 20. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? My mother told me she don't know why Elia acted like that because Elia was my mother, my mother's mother, my grandmother's favorite child. She loved her some Elia to the point when after Elia had Stephanie, Elia gave Stephanie to her mother, my grandmother, and my grandmother raised Stephanie. Then um, Elia had my cousin Willie, who was a couple years younger than me, and Stephanie, and she raised Stephanie. Now, Elia's, they weren't married. They were I guess common law. Elia never got married. She lived with two men in her lifetime, but never married either man. The first man was my father's best friend, Louis Cocolo. 
and I've talked about him on this podcast before. They called him Louis Cocolo because Cocolo was a slang word in Spanish, in Spanish Harlem for uh, Cocolo was a slang word for black. Louis was a dark-skinned Puerto Rican. Matter of fact, um, Louis kind of looked like Don King when he had weight on him because Louis would have a wild afro. But um, Louis was selling drugs with my father in the mid to late 60s, and they both went to prison. Louis got out before my father, and um, Louis had another child, Willie. So Willie, so Louis and Eli had two kids, Stephanie and um, Willie. Stephanie died six to eight weeks ago. All right. Um, Stephanie's mother, Elia, died in 1988. And during that time, when Elia died, Stephanie was a hardcore crack addict. Drugs, unfortunately, run amok in that family. My aunt Elia was a heroin addict. Her daughter, Stephanie, was a crack addict. And Stephanie's father, Louis Cocolo, was a heroin addict because he used to shoot up in shooting galleries all over Spanish Harlem with my father when they were both selling drugs. Louis and Elia eventually broke up and then Louis moved to New Jersey and for years he was selling drugs on the other side of the river in Jersey and he would come once a month and uh, take his son, my cousin Willie, with him for a uh, for a, what you call it, um, visitation. But he never picked up Stephanie because Louis was afraid to step into Elia's mother's house, my grandmother's house. But he spent time with Willie. Um, Louis and my father, I always talk about on this podcast full how things come full circle. Both Louis and my father both had throat cancer at the same exact time. They both were diagnosed in 1999 with throat cancer. The last Christmas my father had was the last Christmas Louis had. And they both spent that Christmas with me, Peter, my mother, my brother. No, actually, I don't think my brother showed up. My sister was there, though. My sister Christine was there. Um, we had a, it was a beautiful, we, uh, Louis showed up Christmas day and both Louis and my father couldn't talk. They didn't have voice boxes, but when they saw each other and it was the first time they had saw each other in a long time, because at that point in time, Louis had finally reconnected with Stephanie and they had a relationship and Stephanie and my mother was close at that time. So. Because earlier that year, Peter, my mother, my sister, and my father went to Virginia where Stephanie was living at the time. And I think Stephanie was living in Virginia when she died six to eight weeks ago. So um, she connected with Louis and she told Louis, why don't you go over, you know, uh, Silver. They, everybody called my father Silver. Like people call me Silver today. They called my, no one ever called my father Robert or Roberto or Rob. They called him Silver. Or they called him Bobby. Bobby being a uh, a short term for Robert. Bobby Kennedy. Bobby Bonilla is Robert Bonilla. Bobby Silver 
is Robert Silva Sr., Roberto Silva Sr. So Louis knocks on the door. My father answers, and he sees it's Louis Cocolo. And both men hug each other like brothers. And they were brothers. They were um, they were closer to each other in their teen years to early 20s than they were to their own siblings. That was the closest thing my brother, my father had to a brother that really loved him because his older brothers, my father was the youngest in his family, used to ridicule my my father, said that he was special, said that he, he needed help, that he couldn't do things on his own. Despite the fact that they were fucked up in their own right. Anyway, so I'm in my bedroom with Peter and we're playing video games. Matter of fact, we're playing NFL Blitz. And my father comes in and says, uh, and writes down on a piece of paper because he can't talk. He writes down on a piece of paper, give me the tape for Trinidad De La Hoya. I looked at Louis. I said, Louis, have you seen this fight? Louis said, no. I said, all right, Peter, come with us. Come come with us. We're going to watch this fight together. Um, my father had saw it already, but uh, Louis hadn't. So we sat there and we watched as uh, Trinidad did nothing for the first eight rounds and then De La Hoya ran for the last four rounds after Trinidad hurt him. And then when the fight was over, Trinidad won a controversial decision. And and Louis looked at my father with that look like, you know, with the look of, you know, Trinidad got away with one. <laughs> and so uh, my mother made uh, roast chicken, arroz con dules, potato salad, and we all ate and my mother, because my Louie and my father couldn't talk, my mother was telling me and Peter stories about my father and Louie's exploits back in um, back in Spanish Harlem in the mid to late 60s, how uh, they tried to impress Spanish Raymond, Spanish Raymond being the big drug lord, legendary drug lord from Spanish Harlem. But um, they never got to meet Spanish Raymond, and my father and uh, Louie laughed. And um, and then um, my mother told me how Louis used to look after her while my father was in prison. My father died the following July, July 30th, 2000, and Louis died right before Christmas 2000. So both, this was their last Christmas, and I always talk about things coming full circle. These were two men that grew up in the same neighborhood that wound up being married to two sisters. Wound up being uncles to each other's kids. That was my uncle Louis. And things happen for a reason. God made sure that Louis and Pop would reconnect one last time before reconnecting permanently up in heaven. Um, I feel bad for Willie. Willie, uh, Louis' son, has lost his mother, his oldest sister, and his father. And, Lou, and Willie's only 52, 53 years old. 
Um, and um, kudos to Willie. He's been married for, man, over 30 years. He's got a beautiful family living out in Texas. He was a career uh, he career military man in the U.S. Army. Um, he's retired, and he's doing this thing out in Texas. And he left, Willie left Spanish Harlem behind because the, the streets almost took Willie. But Willie went into the military. Willie made a conscious effort not to end up like his parents. After Elia died, enough 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 was enough for, for Willie. Willie turned 18 right before his mother died. And when his mother died, he enlisted in the army and he never looked back. And um, God bless Willie. God bless his mother, my titi Elia. God bless Uncle Louis, Louis Cocolo. Regardless of their shortcomings, they are a part of my legacy and they are part of my father's legacy. They're part of my mother's legacy. They are part of the Silver's legacy. I'm going to play Stevie Wonder's Someday at Christmas. And then I will be back one last time with one last um, segment after you hear several more listener uh, contributions. Someday at Christmas, men won't be boys Playing with moms like kids play with toys One warm December, our hearts will see A world where men are free Someday at Christmas there'll be no wars When we have learned what Christmas is for When we have found what life's really worth There'll be peace on earth Someday all our dreams will come to be
Greetings and salutations to everyone, and thank you to the OG Rob Silva for once again allowing myself and everybody else who tunes in to contribute to the podcast. Sincerely appreciate it. Um, as far as a Christmas memory, I'm gonna keep mine short and sweet. Um, I just remember my sister and I being excited to open up our gifts and my parents sort of had a rule um, Christmas Day that you don't disturb them before 10 o'clock in the morning to sleep in but we were just so anxious we were we were really little but we were just super super anxious to to sort of get the ball going with the the gift opening and then we lived in an apartment but we were just so <laughs> young and gullible wondering how the heck did Santa get into the apartment to bring us gifts? Because we didn't have a chimney or a roof. But, I mean, we wondered things. I, I, we did wonder aloud, but my mom kind of just, she smiled very cheekily and didn't say anything. And then, yeah, we just, once 10 o'clock hit, we we bolted for the living room and we opened the gifts. <laughs> So that's just my memory. We weren't allowed to open anything before 10 a.m. And then once 10 a.m. hit, we we were in there like clockwork, like uh, right on time. And it's funny, normally we didn't like getting up for school on time. But Christmas, that was the one day where we were going to be up ahead of time and ready <laughs> before time to do anything. And yeah, you know, my parents didn't have much at the time because they were immigrants and but it just felt like there was just it it felt like it was a lot it felt full to be honest so those are things you appreciate whereas now now that they're more established I don't know back then it just felt like everything was more full and everything was more fruitful and everything was just you never guess that (laughs) <laughs> they were struggling because it just I just remember seeing I remember seeing a lot but my mom will tell you she's like oh I felt bad because that year um you know we were saving for a house and we couldn't buy much and it's so odd it just it felt like it was a lot to me um and my favorite gift that year that she had gotten was a speak and spell so yeah I'm I'm dating myself by telling you what the the gift was <laughs> But that was my favorite, and I think I played. I stayed on that thing the whole day. I, I remember she had to pry it out of my hand at one point just so I could eat my dinner. So yeah, um, I guess that's it. That's all I. I and this was back in the well. Again, I I don't think I'm gonna tell you what year it is and what decade. I I think I aged myself. For those of you that are in the more mature crowd. I said speak and spell, so you should figure out what what decade and, <laughs> and figure out what year it is. So, um, yeah, I think that's my favorite Christmas memory, opening gifts at 10 o'clock in the morning because we weren't allowed to do it before then. And then just, yeah, my mom's saying we didn't have much that year, but it felt like it felt the it felt opposite. It felt very full. All right. Well, I'm going to bid everyone adieu and Merry Christmas to you all. Take care.
What's <laughs> good, everyone? It's Andrew again. As for a Christmas memory, mine would be from last year, actually, as it was uh, my then fiance, now wifey, my parents, and my brother. We were down in my parents' basement as they have still have a VHS machine and still have the VCR and a TV connected to a TV, actually. So we actually ended up watching video from the Christmas of 93. Uh, we had just moved into a new house that summer. So that was our first Christmas at that new house. And my Auntie Gloria was with us and she had her camcorder with her. So she took actual video of us during the day and just around the house, that first Christmas in the house, took video of us and us during Christmas dinner and throughout that day. And it was kind of wild because going back, seeing that 30 years, because I had just started high school in the 93, 94 year. So to see how skinny I was back then and baby faced and to see how young my brother was and my parents were at that time and my Auntie Gloria was kind of was kind of crazy. Uh, uh, it was also kind of nice for my wife to not just see me back then just through just pictures she's seen, but, you know, to hear my voice and to see me be able to move around and my mannerisms and kind of how I was back then, uh, was really cool as well. So that's my Christmas memory from last year, uh, for the Legends family around the world. Hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and a safe and prosperous new year to mr silva i hope you and your mom have a merry christmas and a prosperous new year to your lady mia and her daughter i hope they have a merry christmas and a prosperous new year as well and as for a christmas song i'd say uh ashanti it's christmas time again i always kind of like that song by ashanti it was uh just kind of different than most christmas songs you hear a different vibe so yeah Again, Merry Christmas, Legends family. Take care. Kids can't wait to see if 
made Christmas cookies and our memes. Me and my cousin Shot stayed up all night to put the icing on. And then everybody came over because Mimi cooked and baked pies. And all my mom and dad bought was two gallons of ice cream. That's what I remember about Christmas. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. Can't get away to Happy holidays, Legends family. Shout out to the guy, Rob Silva, for, uh, of course, having a tremendous year and a tremendous year in growth with the Legends of Sports and Music podcast and definitely climbing up the charts. I see you out there, so I want to give you a formal congratulations uh, from me and uh, super proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. And, of course, you know, thank you for allowing an intimate space for us to, you know, talk about our ideas, talk about, our, talk about music, talk about sports, and talk about family. So uh, happy holidays to everyone, um, and uh, here's just a short memory that I that I have, and it's more just kind of a general memory of one thing that I miss in you know now in my adulthood. Um, so my parents, right, who are still alive, were very um, are very were very good friends with my godparents, who I've who are no longer here with us. My godmother. Uh, passed away from cancer, uh, you know, some years back. And my my godfather, uh, years before that, he um, was tragically murdered in a in a senseless altercation here in Detroit. So, um, I myself, you know, just to show you how much my family and then were were friends, my parents and my godparents, right? So if I name all the children, right, it goes like uh, Joey, who's my oldest godbrother, then Jeremy. And then Jason, and then James, me, um, and then you got Janielle, which is my god sister. You got Jordan, who's my younger brother. Um, you got Jason, and you got Jamal, who's my 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 
youngest brother. So the whole clan of Jays is what they called it, you know, when they all used to get together for the holidays because everybody, every child names begin with J and we still laugh at it to this day because as people are starting to have uh, children, right? They're naming them with J as well. So I don't have any kids yet, but the tradition of naming your children beginning with the letter J is definitely continuing. But uh, anyways, um, we, you know, when I was younger, you know, my family um, would go over there to my godparents' house and, you know, it'll, it'll start kicking off, at, you know, day before Christmas, Christmas Eve, and we'll be over there several days afterwards if we spent Christmas over there. And um, it was always kind of funny because when I would go to, you know, school after New Year, or I'll see some of my friends on the block, you know, we always would talk about, oh, what your grandma cook, what they cook, you know, all those things. And people would talk about turkey, ham, dressing, all the traditional stuff, right, that typically we ate on Thanksgiving. But on Christmas, man, we would eat like the the rest of the salmon that we caught during salmon season. We would eat venison and, and game and different types of uh, meats that were, you know, cooked at Christmas time. And typically that was kind of the barometer, right? So if like, uh, you know, my family had hunted a doe or a buck or, you know, in October or so, got a process and stuff to November, and we ain't cook it do during Thanksgiving, you had to cook, you know, they would cook them up uh, and finish everything off during uh, Christmas time. So, you know, I'll be saying things like, you know, well, we ate deer and salmon and, and, and uh, bass and uh, <laughs> perch and all this stuff. And people be, you know, other kids didn't understand what I was talking about. But for me, that was normal eating during Christmas time, right? And, you know, it always played into the whole talk of, you know, hey, you know, this is, you know, you can always provide food for your family if you know how to hunt and fish. And contrary to the proper belief, right, Michigan is a state and especially like not that far from Detroit, right? We have the Great Lakes here, so you can obviously fish. There's many smaller lakes, rivers, and things like that. And then it's a big hunting state, right? We have a large um, deer population as well. So it's not uncommon, you know, to do that if you venture outside of the city and if your parents raised you even a portion outdoors, right? It was something that, that you just did. But a lot of the kids when I went back home or if I was at school and we talked about it, you know, they looked at me funny. They're like, y'all eat deer? I'm like, you know, to me it's normal. Like, yeah, it's good. We had chili, we had this, we had venison steaks and all that stuff. And I would get these wild looks because they were like, where y'all go get the fish? Like, we, we went to the river and got it. You know, I'm just trying to explain it innocently as a kid, but... You know, not looking back on it as a dog, it was probably, they, they just didn't get it. Like, no, we actually went and fished and brought the fish home and cleaned it and cooked it, you know? And, um, but that's one of the things I miss, man. And it's something that we need to start up with our family. Um, especially, you know, we still do fishing, but we need to, you know, I think we should, should work on having that tradition of combining all the families together and just being a family and enjoying each other. And it wasn't about the gifts. It wasn't about the, um, you know, what somebody can buy for you. It was like many Christmases, there wasn't a lot of gift exchanges. It was just a, the point of everybody being together and spending time together and loving on one another, which is the most important. So happy holidays to uh, everyone. Um, happy holidays to the Legends family. Everybody stay safe. Everybody spend some time that they with someone that they love. And, you know, if you listen to this, tell somebody you love them right now. So I appreciate you all. Love you guys. Enjoy. And I'll talk to you next time. Peace.
Was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. In my mind, I want you to be free.
Hi, Robert. I hope you're doing okay and your dear mother too. I want to wish uh, all your audience a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I wish you guys all the best, always. Well, my memories of my Christmas here in Puerto Rico, as you know, here in Puerto Rico, we have maybe the longest Christmas celebration in the whole world. We basically began in November and end at uh, mid-January. You know, you know that we know we all, we always celebrate not only Christmas but also the Three Kings Day and all the other stuff that that get along with that. We are very festive. We do a lot of parties and a whole lot of stuff. And that's now because I remember as a kid we used to have a lot of parandas. You know, a whole bunch of people that come to your house and sing. And make you basically uh, wake up to give them food, and beverage, and all the stuff. You know, the good old times we, when we get along and we don't have uh, that um, issue with the security and, and trust and trusting other people. We don't have that problem in back in many years ago because uh, we have um, a better sense of community and other stuff. We still have uh, some of the celebration of Christmas, but it's not the same. Uh, but definitely I remember those days because uh, all the family get along. We show our our toys and all the stuff that we got uh, in Christmas. Uh, of course, we have the food. We always have the food. The lechon, eh, pasteles, you know, the arroz con candules and all the stuff. And of course the coquito, or like you guys uh, call it uh, the eggnog, but we call it coquito. And of course, the, the best part of, of my childhood um, about Christmas is the music. 
we have um i can say with all security that we have the best uh, christmas music in the whole world because um we basically um use christmas no matter if it's salsa or um our own country music you know um the music of the hibaro of course merengue and we 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 do a lot of stuff with music uh, in the present and in the past we certainly um drink a lot eat a lot but we have a good time always um some some people i know that some people uh, have a rough uh, christmas um people that lost um family and friends or for some reason well, they don't have a very good moment a very good uh christmas um bad memories and all that stuff i always uh think of those people and uh, hopefully i i wish them all the best but in all sincerity um i always um normally i always uh, have a good christmas i have a good time with the family with friends and of course like i said not only the food but the best part of, of christmas is the music i really love the music uh, of yesterday of yesterday uh the whole uh, music of from my country um from the the hibaros um parandas and all the stuff and of course salsa we have a, a big collection of of christmas salsa um that you know all the guys are from new york uh hector labo willie colon they they have the best-selling album in the history of latin christmas it's, it's not only jose feliciano with feliz navidad like you know but of uh, asalto navideño of willie colon actor labo is the best selling christmas album in the history of latin america the album um has uh, has 50 years in 2023 the first album was in 19 no actually i'm wrong the first album was in 1971 and the second was in 1973 and that uh 70s era of music and the early 80s my god that was incredible the 70s and 80s that, that that was that is basically my favorite uh, part of christmas so i from my bottom from the bottom of my heart i want to wish you uh, robert and your dear mother and your whole family and your friends and everybody that hears your podcast uh happy holidays i wish you all the best always and thank you for giving me the chance to talk to you once again um I wish you all the best, my friend. Please don't forget to drink the coquito. I drink it without without alcohol like you because I, I enjoy the flavor of coquito. And of course, try to eat even a little portion of, of lechon and arroz con gandules. And I hope you have a happy and safe holiday, my friend. Take care, always. Felicidades, Robert. Yo te soy sincero
Holidays to everyone that's listening to Skimani again. Um, thank you, Mr. Silva, Mr. Rob, for bringing me back um, to talk about my favorite holiday of all time, which should be everybody's favorite holiday, which is Christmas. I mean, you can't go wrong with the holiday season whatsoever, whether it's the music, whether it's the decorations, whether it's the, the shopping, whether it's the family time, all of that. It's wonderful. Um, for me personally, Christmas is always, um, it's always a holiday that I always prefer. It's like a nice little, you know, it's perfect for the year wrap up and everything. Um, and just that feeling of the cold weather. Um, I don't like it too cold, but you know, <laughs> um, I always love a nice little, nice little breeze, you know, that, that just gives me that holiday mood. Um, even a couple of weeks ago during Thanksgiving, one thing about me, it's like, it's not the holiday season for me until I get a taste of that cranberry sauce in the midst of that dressing. Like, it's it's a must. Like, that's when I know the holiday season is there. You know, this, you know, I get my Christmas my Christmas music playing. Um, one of my favorite memories of Christmas is watching Christmas movies with my sister. Uh, Twenty five days of Christmas when a when family uh when Freeform was ABC Family. Uh, I still call it ABC family. <laughs> Neighbor, I would call them ABC family, so I'm gonna call them ABC family. So, um, yeah, um, all the great Christmas movies, you know, Black, White, Don't Matter, Christmas Story, Home Alone, Almost Christmas, This Christmas, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, um, uh, All Dogs Christmas Carol. That's a personal favorite. That's a family favorite. Um, yeah, that's the the. Just the feeling of the Christmas movie, even especially when I go, um, especially you know the times when I was living with my grandmother, um, Christmas music would always be playing. The trees would be up, and you know, and and it just it just had that holiday feeling. You know, my grandma was always, um, you know, cooking the great stuff and everything, and you know we sing Christmas songs on the fly and stuff like that, and just have just have a nice family oriented 
Christmas, you know, I have so many memories uh, that come to mind. I remember Christmas 2007, uh, we moved into the new house. Um, well, at the time it was the new house in uh, in Brentwood, Tennessee. And, um, and my grandparents came over uh, for the first time. Uh, it was their first time at the new, at the new place. So it, it was a very special Christmas to me. I remember, uh, I'm not sure where to find them, but uh, my, my mother had home videos. Uh, she recorded that Christmas and, you know, we had a little nice little get together and I'll never forget um, during that week upcoming, like leading up to Christmas, right? Um, I would be the first one up, like around seven. I turn on um, whatever Christmas movie was on and me and my grandmother's favorite was always Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. It would come on Cartoon Network all the time uh, during that time and and we would just, we would just sing it, the song for fun and you know, it's definitely, it was definitely a staple. Um, and then Christmas morning, I remember I tried eggnog for the first time without alcohol, of course. Um, you know, my grandmother made ginger, I think my grandmother made gingerbread. I'm not sure if she made it that year, but uh, that was, yeah, that was a very fun Christmas. Uh, another Christmas that comes to mind is Christmas 2011. I'll never forget, it was the NBA lockout season. And uh, that's when I started really like becoming a basketball fan. That was like my first like real NBA Christmas. Um, and not too long ago, about nine or ten days earlier, my baby brother. I have two. I have two younger brothers. Uh, one that's seventeen, and then one that's uh, one that's turning twelve this year uh, on the sixteenth. And he was born um, on that day on in two thousand eleven. So. Um, my little, my baby brother's first Christmas in the new house was a another special one. Uh, my godmother was there that Christmas. God rest her soul. Um, we went to church because that that Christmas was on a Sunday. Uh, thank God it was a very quick service. <laughs> a nice little, nice little hour. We went there for three. You know, you know how that goes. But um, yeah, that was it, was. it was a special one. You know, we made Christmas dinner that year. Um, yeah, just overall good times and. Uh, and then I'll, I'll cherish them forever. And then I remember um, there was one. There was one Christmas. Uh, I think it was 2014. My one of my aunties was sick around that time, uh, and she passed away like right before we were. We we meant to stay only for a couple of days because we thought she was going to get better. But you know, one night she she passed overnight a few days before Christmas, so we decided to stay. Um, so so we had to stay. Uh, for the uh, for the funeral and everything, so that included Christmas. Uh, so we so we were there for I think the rest of that week going into the new year. So um, it was a it was a Christmas that was unex the plans were unexpected, but um, that still came out as a very heartwarming Christmas. Um, and yeah, this is so many great there's so many great you know memories with either my mother, my father, grandmother. You know, all of us together, um, young, wild, and free, uh, you know, and now we're grown adults, you know, we don't get together as much as we used to, but in some way, form, or fashion, that Christmas magic is still felt, and uh, that's that's what it's all about. Um, I'll say my most recent favorite Christmas memory is definitely um, Christmas. Christmas 2020 was, you know, I was, I was... I think the plan the plan for it was for us to 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 go to the motherland, go to Nigeria for Christmas, uh, but COVID stopped all of that. And uh, so me, I remember Christmas morning, 
we had a virtual Christmas. Uh, my sister was up in New York. Uh, my grandparents were there in, in, uh, in uh, Alabama. Uh, my mother was in Alabama. My stepdad was in Alabama. So we all had like a virtual Christmas, um, of, you know, gift opening. And, and just, it was, it, it was, it was really cool. Um, and then the next year was the last Christmas with my grandmother, um, which was special. Um, now, little did I know it would be my last Christmas with her, but you know that was a it was it was a special one because it was it was good to have again all four kids were there, and you know because I'm I'm the second of four my sister me and then my two younger brothers with along with my mother grandmother grandfather stepfather like they all you know just the one the ones in which all, all of us were together are some of the most happiest ones in my life because, you know, we would watch movies and, you know, tell jokes and, and talk about, uh, <laughs> just talk about things that, you know, just catching up on stuff and, and things like that because we don't get as, we don't get together as much as we used to, but, you know, it's, it's always, it's always a vibe when we're together and that's, that's the special thing about Christmas for me. Um, it's just the laughter, the friendship, the camaraderie uh, that's formed around that time and, you know, it's, it's, it's really special to me. Um, yeah, so, so with that being said, Merry Christmas to all, and I hope you guys have the greatest holiday season and uh, good vibrations for the coming year. Peace and love. Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve you can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe She'd been drinking too much eggnog And we begged her not to go But she forgot her medication And she staggered through the door out in the snow When we found her Christmas morning at the scene of the attack She had hoof prints on her forehead And incriminating claws marks on her back Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa we believe now we're all so proud of Grandpa He's been taking this so well See him in there watching football Drinking beer and playing cards with Cousin Mel It's not Christmas without Grandpa All the family's dressed in black And we just can't help but wonder should we open up her gift or send them back? Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa As for me and Grandpa, we believe Now the goose is on the table And the pudding made of fig and the blue and silver candles That would just have matched the hair in Grandma's wig 
I've warned all my friends and neighbors Better watch out for yourselves They should never give a license To a man who drives a sleigh and plays with elves Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Sing it with us, Grandpa! Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe I want to thank all the contributors today, all the listener uh, contributions. They were wonderful. They were full of familial love, love of their families, love of their parents, love of their children, love of their husbands, their wives, their significant others, their grandmothers, friendship. Every one of these contributors today I hold in high regard. I just don't have anybody appear on my podcast. I have people who I know are beautiful people deep down inside. The world is full of a lot of fucked up people. And I do not intend on dealing with fucked up people. Only people I deal with are real people, true people, people doing positive things for their families, for their communities, for their children, for young people, period. None of this nonsense that you see on social media. None of this nonsense you see amongst people today who are losing their mind. No, I don't deal with that nonsense. I deal with beautiful people. And every single person on here that you heard today are beautiful people. Every one of you. Every one of you, please take a bow. You were phenomenal in this episode. Um... Man, these are very emotional episodes, these holiday tributes, whether it's Thanksgiving, Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas. I plan on doing these four every year until I no longer do podcasts, and I'm hoping that's the day I die. Speaking of dying, one day my mother will die, but once again, my mother has faced adversity and beaten it. I haven't mentioned this on any other podcast. I haven't mentioned this on social media because I didn't want to jinx it. On December 1st, um, I gave my, um, I bought my mother rice and steak from a Spanish restaurant here in Spanish Harlem. She ate it and she liked it. But then when she had a second helping a few hours later, she violently vomited the food. And for the next five days, she was nauseous, no appetite. She couldn't throw up because she had no appetite and she couldn't take a shit. So on December 6th, last Wednesday, I'm recording this on the evening of December 14th. I rushed her to the emergency room at Mount Sinai Hospital in Spanish Harlem. Hospital's only nine blocks away from where I live. 
And once again, Mount Sinai Hospital saved my mother's life. They did all types of tests. They took an MRI, a CT scan, and they found a small cyst in her abdomen or near her gallbladder, near her colon, in that area. And they said it was appendicitis. But at first, they were just going to give her antibiotics and not do surgery. But then as they kept examining, they saw something there that looked like it could be cancerous. And so they said, no, your mother must have surgery before that spreads because it could be cancerous. She had the surgery this afternoon. They successfully removed that cyst. It is no longer in her. She is no longer exposed to possible cancer cells. My mother is the ultimate survivor. She almost died, man, uh, over 54 years ago, 55 years ago. Um, no, it would have been 52, 50. I was either three or four years old when my mother had double pneumonia. She went down to 66 pounds and was on death's doorknob and survived. Another time, she was laying in her in, in the living room couch. And this was back. This was right around the time I was about to graduate from the sixth grade grade school when I was to be the master's, master of ceremony as the uh, top male student at PS 152. Around that time, right before I, uh, I was to graduate, June of 1980, it was the middle, it was 2, 3 in the morning. My father was out drinking. My mother was reading a book, drinking rum and coke, and smoking a cigarette. As she turned to put the cigarette out, a bullet came from the from upstairs apartment through the ceiling and hit the floor where her head was before she moved it to put the cigarette out. If my mother had not put that cigarette out, she'd have been murdered. She would have been shot in the head. My mother woke me up after it occurred and she was like, Robert, look what happened. Robert, look what happened. My father came home. He went upstairs. When my father went upstairs, you heard loud arguing before my father went upstairs. You hear all the screaming and then all of a sudden it was quiet. Then my father came back downstairs to the apartment. Twelve years ago, my mother had a, a, a massive heart attack. She had to have double bypass surgery. Mount Sinai saved her life because she lived with me on 110th and Madison. Mount Sinai, the emergency room is on 101st and Madison. We get there in, in, in two, three minutes with, with a cab. Soon as me, Peter, and my sister had arrived after my mother had called her and told her she was suffering. Her heart was suffering. The doctors put her on and they put that balloon in her in her chest and they saved her life. A couple years later, she had a mini stroke. Then in 2017, she thought she had a heart attack, but it was a false alarm. Last year, she had kidney failure. I talked about this on last year's Christmas pod. She had kidney failure and then she had a a seizure 
a brain seizure that put her in a coma for 24 to 36 hours. And she survived that. She's got her faculties. She couldn't walk. She was in the hospital for seven weeks. She couldn't walk. She walks without a walker. And then this latest health scare. My mother turned 76 years old on December 5th. I took her to the hospital on December 6th. I did that on purpose. I didn't want to take her to the hospital on December 5th because I was afraid she was going to die. And why would you die on the day you were born? I didn't want that. I was scared to death, but I kept it quiet. I didn't. The only person that knew other than my sister and my nephew was my lady Mia. And Mia was saying prayers and lighting candles and every 10 minutes was texting me or calling me, how you feeling, how you feeling, how you feeling? Today I was in the hospital waiting in my mother's hospital room as she went through surgery. And then my sister called because my sister went with her to the, to, the, to the operating room. You can't go in, of course, the operating room. I stayed in my mother's room because I was scared. I was scared. My sister called me, said surgery was a success. My mother's in the hospital right now. I'm going to go see her tomorrow, and I'm hoping that tomorrow she'll be well enough without the pain to come home. But the worst has been avoided. The worst thing anybody can go through, and I think Simone talked about it earlier, is being lonely during Christmas. And Simone in her voice note talked about how her and her daughter went to a friend's house and they were uh, able to uh, capture that love that was missing from her mother and her grandmother. I know eventually my mother will pass. She's 76. And one day, I guess, quote unquote, her luck will run out. But I'm going to cherish taking care of her until that final day. And there's no person funnier in this world. Even the way she is right now, she's still hilarious. And she's still full of life. And God bless her. And thank God that he continues to look out for her. She's been through a lot. And yet she continues to survive. Ladies and gentlemen, please continue to love your loved ones and enjoy life. We only got one life. So live that life and live it and make your children proud. Make your parents proud. Make yourself proud. Keep loving yourself. Keep loving your family. This is the OG Rob Silver. Now that I got that out the way, um, I'm going to end this podcast with This Christmas by Donny Hathaway. But before I do that, I got all the positive stuff out the way. I talked about all the beautiful people. I told you people how my mom survived a recent medical scare. I talked about great people like my mother and the great listeners like Donald and Simone and Briny and Toot and all the great and and Van, all the great people that send in voice notes today. I wrote a poem 
back in 1997 called Definition of an N-Word. I don't use the N-Word, so I'm going to replace the N-Word with the word ninja. I want to dedicate this poem to one of the biggest pieces of shit that ever lived, Sean Puff Daddy Combs. And here it goes, Definition of a Ninja by Roberto Silva Jr., me. What's my definition of a ninja? One who kills himself with too much liquor. Another who smokes too many blunts and desecrates his people with several stunts. Stunts as stunts such as associating with thugs and infesting his community with drugs. Ninja, when are you going to learn that one day you will take your turn? Your turn to face those that you've persecuted. I swear to you, we'll all have you executed. A ninja is a man who's an absentee dad. Yet brags to all his boys and how he's a cad. How he has six kids from six quote-unquote bitches. For that comment alone, you deserve 69 stitches. 69 stitches to be placed on your penis. I don't anticipate that to be too heinous. Every woman I meet finds it hard to trust. I don't blame them. Your kind have them in disgust. Disgusted because ninjas like you only misuse. And men like me find it impossible to diffuse. Diffuse the damage you help create. Unfortunately, I can't help mediate. Mediate hearts that have been ripped apart by ninjas like you who inside are sharks. My last comment to you with bated breath is ninja, you deserve a motherfucking torrid death. Dedicated to that piece of shit Sean Puff Daddy Combs you bitch ass motherfucker I can't wait till somebody kills your fucking ass everybody out there Merry Christmas Happy New Year always be blessed always be a blessing Donnie Hathaway is going to take us out I hope you guys enjoyed the second annual Christmas show How much fun it's gonna be together This Christmas The fireside's blazing bright We're caroling through the night And this Christmas Will be A very special Christmas For me And cards are here My world is filled with cheer and you This Christmas And as I look around Your eyes outshine the town they do This Christmas Fireside blazing bright We're carrying
Christmas.